0: hey y'all welcome back to why Wit to monday i am your host nicole shabazz this episode is a bit different from the other episodes today i am talking with kadreya march she's the owner and founder of post and claim llc post and claim llc is a medical coding and billing organization and she also provides patient advocacy for consumers seeking to dispute medical bills Kadrea provides insight and advice on medical bills, insurance selections, co-pays, and more. Grab a pen and paper and enjoy the episode. Okay, good afternoon, Kadrea. How are you today?
1: I'm fine. How are you?
0: I'm fine. I'm doing well. Can't complain. Um, I'm just so excited to talk to you today because um, your um, your show, your episode will be the first of uh, one that is outside of. Um, the traditional health and wellness we've been talking about on the podcast. So now we're talking about, we're going to talk about it. However, you, however, whatever direction it goes into will be fine. But to hear um, some helpful tips that have helped the audience on, you know, their, um, on their journey with their finances, the financial piece of it will be, is going to be excited to talk about today. So if you could just introduce yourself and tell us what you do for a living.
1: Hi, I am Kadria March, the owner and founder of Post and Claim, um, LLC, and Post and Claim is a medical coding and billing slash patient advocacy. I consider myself to be small right now, but hopefully in the future, I'll be a big um, company. Um, so basically, what we do is we provide medical coding and billing administrative task basically processing the claims for providers um ensuring that they receive the reimbursement from the insurance carriers for their services that were they rendered to the patient so that's who we are so we was establishing oh literally 2011 but I kind of like put it down and picked it back up in 2016 so we've been rolling ever since then since 20 yeah 2016.
0: Okay, that's great. So from the patient advocacy piece of it, what is it that you do um, as a patient advocate?
1: Oh yeah, so sorry, I left that pass out. So the patient advocacy so basically what we do is we it's kind of like twofold. there. We can be we can be useful as in to find out if the charges are accurate or it's just like a second opinion to make sure that the patient was charged. Kind of like the same same kind of thing, but make sure they was charged properly. Or if they need someone just to be able to speak on their behalf for them to kind of dispute medical bills, we also do that as well.
0: Wow, that's a wonderful service that I've never been familiar with. So to hear that something like that actually exists um, it's wonderful. So you're right; you're gonna get you're gonna be huge real soon, <laughs> <laughs> real soon because it's definitely needed because. Um, you know, people get these bills and instead of um, addressing them, they just put them to the side, not knowing that, you know, they do have rights to the bills that they do get in the mail.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, and if I was never in this field, I would be one of those people to just put mm-hmm. it to the side or it's either put to the side and let it go to collections or I'll just pay it. So that's one thing I kind of like stress about. First, you need to identify if the charges are even accurate. That's number one, because a lot Mm -hmm. of times people are not, they don't train their staff properly to be even be able to bill or yeah to be able to bill properly. So it's just, they look at it as, oh, I'm getting paid for it. Just because you're getting paid for it doesn't necessarily mean it's right. So Mm -hmm. what ends up happening is if they are billing incorrectly, it's literally coming on patient responsibility and that's us as consumers. And being mm-hmm. that we are not really kind of equipped or have the knowledge or the skills of it, you'll just pay it and say, okay, I did receive that service. But a lot of times it's paid, they're wrong. They're incorrect codes that's being built. And then it comes comes to us to be able to pay it.
0: Right. So um, how did you get started with the business?
1: So the way I got started was I worked at a pediatric group um, literally for three years. And I used to post payments the payments that's received from the insurance company. So I used to have to handle like eight insurance plans. So as those payments came in, I will post them and I will basically find out if it's patient responsibility or resubmit the claim so the insurance company could pay the difference. But literally what prompted me to start this business is when I was used to handle the phone calls, because oh, I used to do that as well. I guess so many people who didn't understand the insurance plan and I thought that was just like a little mind boggling because you're paying for something that you have no clue what is covered. So literally that's how I got started as supposed to have been more of a patient advocacy and it kind of just rolled into (laughs) medical coding and billing, but that's how I started um, this business from that.
0: Right. I think the um, having health insurance is one of those things that um, sometimes some people that have it, we believe that um, we have it because we're supposed to have it. Right. So if we get sick, we can go to the doctor office or we have to go to the hospital. But um, when it comes down to certain blood tests and labs or routine visits and stuff like that, you really don't have and idea. You don't know the intricate details about the plan. You just know you have insurance. <laughs>
1: That's exactly, they don't know, oh, a co-insurance and then people I used to call them and say, oh no, they used to call us or if I had to call them back and they'd be like, what is that? And I'm just like, well, I'm unable to give you that information. You will have to contact your insurance company. So I just felt like it was very important for me to be able to share that knowledge or educate individuals how to be able to understand a health insurance plan because it is a lot of information Mm to retain, but if you know the basics, it will- basically help you out in the long run
0: right so the education piece is is very important that's the piece that's that's typically missing
1: yes
0: (laughs) okay so um related to um consumers what are some common issues you've come across
1: common issues that i come across as in denials of why things are patient responsibility so it could be a very it's it's a variety of things. And mm-hmm. the reason why I say that is because as I mentioned previously, people don't know what a co insurance is. They don't know what a deductible is. They know that they're responsible for a co-payment. I can say that piece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it just probably comes across to them like, oh, I'm responsible for a co-payment is because I just go to the doctor and I just pay. But sometimes there's a difference between when you do have to pay a copayment for well visits and sick visits. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times you're not responsible to pay a copayment for well visits, but you are responsible to pay a copayment for sick visits. And Mm -hmm. it can be also, if it's a specialist, you will have to pay a copayment. So that's one of the common ones I find that people kind of are not abreast to that knowledge and know that. This is how it kind of go <laughs> as far as a well visit and a sick visit. So that's mm-hmm. one of them. And again, insurance deductible, out of network, um, just not knowing what's covered in your plan, because a lot of times, too, it can be a limit. So like physical therapy, there may only be 20 visits covered in your plan. So then you will have to be able to be responsible to pay if you have to pay. I mean, if you have to get additional five visits. So things mm-hmm. like that. To pay attention to
0: okay right and I think um I know shamefully <laughs> I just <laughs> I just learned I just learned myself that um when you like I went for a well visit and I had blood work and then I had to go back for the um the results and just to go over the results and stuff and um I just learned that you don't have to pay that copay when you go back the second time on like, um, like that secondary visit that was already attached to the well visit. And I didn't know that. I thought it would be, I thought the copay would kick in then then because um, I had already had uh, no copay for the initial visit.
1: I like your provider. So a lot of them are slick. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the fact that if this, so it could go kind of like two ways. If there's nothing literally that came up about in the visit mean it say you everything is positive and this was just a follow-up to just a check in with you then no they're not going to call you um, charge your co-payment. But some of them do charge a co-payment just to say you came into the office with them. And mm-hmm. they're kind of like justified and say, okay, this is the reason why you came in. Because in order for you to submit a claim, you need to have a procedure code and a diagnosis code. And there has to be medical necessity. So that's why I say I like your provider because mine, they charge mm-hmm. me an office visit when they could kind of charge me a preventative visit, which is another yes. code, which will be covered at 100%. So a patient won't have to pay for their copayment. So I do like your provider. <laughs> I wish mine <laughs> was like that, but I know that they are, they're not very knowledgeable of how to bill properly. So there's times I do try, I do fight a lot of my bills, but mm-hmm. that one, I don't really <laughs> fight with them because I also know it's kind of like their bread and butter for an office visit. So right. I just be like, okay, I'll pay the co payment, but I know there's another code that you can use as in preventative, where I won't have to be responsible for a co-payment.
0: Right. So, um, so can you give us some tips on uh what someone should um look what should someone try to find in um an insurance carrier? Like so if um they were looking to um if they if like right now I think it's like open enrollment season it is. and if yeah. they wanted to um like if they were thinking to switch insurance carriers like what are some tips of what should be like something they should have in mind that they should consider before switching
1: so one thing I'm glad you mentioned that open enrollment so um this is like my season two of open enrollment part of the patient advocacy part one, the things that provide, I mean, consumers need to look for is the 10 essentials. So with the Affordable Care Act, they give you a list of those um, 10 essentials that need to be covered in your insurance plan. So when I say the Affordable Care Act, which is the ACA, that's literally where the government came up and said, okay, in order for insurance to be affordable, but to be affordable at the same time these services should be covered at 100% not say 100% but these are the services that should be included in the in your plan so okay. i don't know them all by heart i should have wrote them down but it's like your um primary care maternity your labs your prescription um rehabilitation um I don't know all of them off here. Emergency room should be covered. Okay. So it's ten essentials that you should look for in your plan due to the fact now it is open enrollment.
0: Okay. So will dental be considered under the health insurance or will they or would that be considered a separate
1: insurance plan? I think they have that kind of like separate. They don't okay. really list the dental, but dental does play a, lot, a big part into our health because you got to think um Gastro starts at our mouth, so mm-hmm. which is our stomach. So it kind of plays a big part within our health care.
0: Right. Okay. And then um what about um, mental health? Is that covered under some insurance companies or is that considered one of the essentials that you know
1: offhand? I believe so now. So what they're doing mm-hmm. with mental health. So that's another thing, guys. I'm like a mental health coder. <laughs> I've been doing it for the past almost 10 years and I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. um they they're now looking at mental health more from um like as your primary care and they're coming across and i find a lot at work where they're not charging um, consumers, a co- they'll charge a, a patient a copayment, but it won't be for a specialist. So, mental health okay. services fall underneath a specialty, but a lot of them are recognizing it as more as primary care or internal medicine, where you won't be charged that 20, that's your copayment, whether it's $20, $30 for as a specialty. So, basically, yeah, what they fair. would do, yeah, basically, what they'll do is instead of charging you, your $30, dollars they are probably, if your copayment for your primary care is $10, they'll charge you $10 to the That's business.
0: great. That's great because I know that could be um, like a hindrance for some people that want, to um, that needs mental health services. And then you, you're supposed to go to your um, specialist, like say two or three times a week. And then when you add that up three times a week, um, $30 a visit, that's $90 a week. Yeah. so it starts to get real costly so what happens they just don't go <laughs> you know so that's good Um, that they're um if it's um actually included as a primary care co-pay of ten dollars because then it's make it more make it a little more feasible okay so um what are some advice and tips you can provide to the consumer related to um medical bills that they cannot
1: pay Good one, Nicole. And this is the one that I looked at, <laughs> like, how to answer this one? <laughs> so, it's, if they cannot pay, I would definitely um, set up a payment plan. And a payment plan, mm-hmm. if you could be able to pay $10, like, being that I work in, um, I work with a population that does, is, like, low income. So if I have to work with that patient and say, pay me at least $5 every time you come in or once a month or however we kind of plan out the payment plan, I would definitely do that because what happens is the providers have six months to be able to submit your claim or your information to the collection agency. And that's the other part about it too. Some of these collection agencies will affect your credit. Now that just depends on the, your provider, like where I used to work at. We, yes, we have a collection agency, but it didn't affect, consume the patient's um, credit. So mm-hmm. you literally have six months. So if you could be able to work out a plan with them and just pay five, $10, that would help. And as well as, I mean, as also, let's see if the bill is correct first. <laughs> right a patient advocate and it don't necessarily it, yeah. seek for a patient advocate to be able to review those charges those charges to see if they're accurate because a lot of times they're inaccurate and you are not responsible to pay it so i would definitely vouch for you to um seek a patient advocate just to be even if it's not a patient advocate seek a biller seek a coder that are is aware of the way it works but that will be one tip that i'll give consumers as in first identify if the charges are accurate and then to set up a payment plan with that provider because again they're not going to submit your information to the collection agency um they have 180 days to do that
0: i think those are great tips because um i think I think sometimes our initial um thought is to just give it up, right? So, you know what? Forget it, I'm just not paying it because it's too much. <laughs> I can't pay it. But you you make a great point. It's like, is that um is that a charge that you actually are responsible for? You know, that's the first thing you do. You never know what you could be um what you could get waived if if you mm-hmm. looked into it, you know, if you just ignore it, then you know it's sort of like what sometimes what people want you to do they want you to say you know what they're not going to pay attention to it they probably just not going to pay it mm-hmm. and then we'll just get it we'll get it paid anyway because we have insurance on this bill anyway so it's like if you look into it you'll find out oh I don't even have to pay that because they waived it you know or like you said they you never they miscoded it they, mm-hmm. they're they calling it a um they saying you had a surgery when they just took a splinter out your finger <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying?
1: It a lot of people do fraud
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> so definitely, yes. yeah, have awareness, um, fraud goes on a lot and mm-hmm. that's more because it's, it's so easy to submit a claim and mm-hmm. we have our, our artificial intelligence. You don't have no one sitting there literally looking at all these claims. This is computerized is either paid or denied. And then you got to think probably like three years later. They knocking at that doctor's office, doing an audit, and have to reimburse them back. So definitely mm-hmm. pay attention to the bills. You know what you received as in services and you know what you did not receive.
0: Okay. Um so uh, what are some advice that you could um provide um regarding um services that they uh, never had done? I think it's I think you sort of answered that a, a little bit. Uh, in the prior question?
1: Oh, (laughs) if they, if you never received the service, I would definitely kind of address that with the provider. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. There's times where they made a mistake. It's an error. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times numbers could be transposed. It could have been another diagnosis call. So again, that's why I feel like you should just always review. So this is what you do. I just (laughs) set up for your health insurance portals. So the portal was going to tell you every charge that was submitted to the insurance company for your services. So you set up a username and a login. Everything is there, which is your claims, your benefits. Definitely go up there because I don't think nowadays they're mailing anything. Everything is online. So set up an account with their insurance company and review those claims and look Look at them and s- confirm if you received those services. So I, one day I looked at my portal and I'm just sitting here like, I never go see this um, provider before, but come to find out it was my daughter's. <laughs> and mm-hmm. but the thing with that, being that I'm the subscriber, my name was listed. So I'm like calling, I end up calling the place like, I never received this service, but it was actually my daughter's um, claim. But that's how on um, point I am with it because I know what services I receive and I know what services I did not receive. So mm-hmm. definitely, yes, yeah, set up a portal with the health insurance mm-hmm. company.
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I think we should, uh, we have to look at it the same way we look at our, um, our bank account, right? Like mm-hmm. as we, we have to audit it the same way. Like if you're doing your um, budget on a weekly basis or on a monthly basis, you go through and you, you know, you do your checks and balances, right? And if you see something that, um that you you know shouldn't be there then you know you you should look into it and I think um when you when you are in the hospital (laughs) I remember when I had um when I had my son I had an epidural for like 15 minutes and that bill was so crazy for 15 minutes of an epidural but thank God for insurance because then I would have had like a three thousand dollar bill I was like I should if I would have stuck it out had I had to pay cash for that, for, that. <laughs> for, for 15 minutes of epidural but it was like because as soon as they gave it to me he came so fast you know mm-hmm. but um you see that itemized bill and, this, and some of the things that you that they charge I think um I think hos- hospitals are notorious for over but I think it's what I think what happens is when um the nurses go into that pixis and you enter you put in the um, patient identifier then you t- you're taking out swabs and all kinds of things then they get billed to that um, to that patient so I think it's very important and I think that's somewhere that your company could come in to um, play for people who um, post-hospitalization when they have to go through those bills you know they get this cr- a- astronomical bill and it's like wait a minute how many gauze did it take for you to put you know, that on um, little suture you know <laughs> and you know when you're trying to dispute the um dispute the bills so i think that's great um and i and i believe that's a great tip that they should look through it and see um what it is that they've actually um they've actually had so if someone wanted to um sign up with you for um patient advocacy service um like how was how could they get in touch with you and what would the process look like
1: so what i usually do is um And it's so funny because I'm working on right now becoming an entity for the no surprise law. So, um, Can you
0: tell us what that is?
1: Also, the no surprise law is basically, you know how we go to, we're in the hospital and you have providers probably coming out of (laughs) the Woolworth and you receive that bill and that provider is out of network. Mm -hmm. So when that provider is out of network, then you're going to get a bill saying you are responsible to pay X, Y, and Z. But remember, you're probably sedated. You don't even know who you spoke to. And out of nowhere, you're getting all these bills. So that's one thing, too. You got to really understand that you're going to get bills from your doctor office, the hospital. Like, you're going to get bills from two different places if you were hospitalized. You're going to get a bill from your provider if they come and visit you. And then you're going to get a bill from the hospital. So yeah. with the hospital, a lot of times is providers do not like to be in network because they feel like it's a low reimbursement. Okay. And then this is where it comes into that whole bucket of out of network. So that bill could be probably like $3,000 and you don't even know what this provider did because you never seen them. And mm-hmm. if they did come in your room, you probably was like sedated. Like you don't even know what the heck was going on. So basically it would be more of arbitration, arbitration and I'll be able to dispute with the insurance company on behalf of the patient, or it could be the insurance company with the patient or the provider, either way. So I'm just going through that process right now, like reading it, putting it together, the proposal, how to become an entity to be able to help um, individuals dispute their bills for providers that are out of network.
0: Okay. Okay. So, um, how would, someone, um, how would someone sign up for your um, services, your patient advocacy services?
1: So the way it works with patient advocacy, um, basically, I will have them fill out a HIPAA form so I could be able to retrieve their medical documents. So I have to go based on documentation. because mm-hmm. That's another thing. A lot of times we get billed for services or get charged for services that never happened and they don't have documentation to support it. So if a lot of times the providers down they'll do all the work, but they have nothing to support that they did the work. So it was right. not documented. So if it wasn't documented, we shouldn't be receiving a bill for it. So yeah. I definitely review your medical documentation and I go based on basically how many um, charges it, or how many um, dates of service. So you can have 10 charges on one date of service, but I just kind of literally review it and to make sure everything was there and I do that process first and I have it kind of set up based on how many um dates of service it is so if you have one day of service anything underneath thirty dollars I don't even charge you I just okay. go through the whole process to review it and then again if it's two dates of service this is four dates of service it's a different fee so it basically goes based on how many dates of services you will need okay. me to review
0: Okay. Okay. So um, how could someone get in contact with you?
1: So you can get in contact with me th- um, at postingclaim.com. I am on social media, more on Instagram <laughs> mm-hmm. and on Facebook, but that's how you can be able to get in contact with me, or you can contact us at 551-253-3577.
0: OK, that's great. And I like when you said that um, the insurance, sometimes your bill or they code for something, but then the documentation doesn't reflect that code. And um, that's the first thing that popped in my mind was that's nursing 101. You know, we learned that in nursing school, like if you don't document it, you didn't do it. So that's the only thing that's going to stand up for you when you're in court. Like you can't say, oh, I remember this. It's like, no, but you never documented it. So um, that's a great point. And this was a wonderful conversation. um, And it was just as insightful as I thought it would be. And um, I know when people listen, they're gonna say, wow, I never even knew that. So I thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us about this.
1: Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for even um, inquiring about us regarding this needed services. Um, So again, thank you.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Why Wait Till Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share with a friend. If you would like to send me a message, you can email why wait till Monday at gmail.com. That's whywaittillmonday t-i-l, at gmail.com. The content you hear on Why Wait Till Monday is for informational purposes only and does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional advice or consultation with a healthcare professional. Always seeks guidance from your healthcare provider. I'll talk to you soon on the next episode. And in the meantime, start now. Don't wait until Monday. Bye now.